This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Take advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Well, hello, Chiefs Kingdom. Hello, one and all. Welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Oltis with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with the man now so well known as the shop. He is the official barber of the kingdom. He is barber shop <laughs> spider. University of Richmond. University of Richmond, the big fundraising campaign this week. Try to get the spiders back to that national level in FCS, my friend. Hope you and your family are doing well. Man, we are, we are, man. I, I, man, my old alma mater, University of Richmond, with Coach Hughesman, man. I wish those those guys all the luck um, with these tough times, trying to find different uh, places for guys to work out. Man, it's amazing to think what a college athlete is trying to find so many different places to try to get his body in position uh, for this fall upcoming season. But I think Coach Hughesman's done a great job. He's had alumni alumni like myself call in on Zoom and Skype, um, really speaking leadership and speaking accountability to the current players. So I think if there's a team ready to take over in the CAA, uh, it might be those Richmond Spiders. Yeah, just don't let James Madison hear you say it. Uh, <laughs> and we love football at all levels. Uh, you and I are big fans of high school football, also Division II football, the best conference in the country is right here in the MIAA. And really in FCS football, where you are plays, uh, the Missouri Valley Football Conference is something else, and it's right around here in the Chiefs' kingdom. That being said, at football at any level, you got to be successful on defense to even have a chance. And we're going to jump into this edition uh, of Defending the Kingdom of Spags. And we're just going to leave it there, and that's what we're going to call this, Spags. Because Spags has become, um, Sean, a bit of a magnetic piece here in this 2020 offseason. People so excited about winning Super Bowl 54, they look to try to get back to Super Bowl 55 and win it. And they're going, oh, yeah, the offense, it's the, it's the best in the league. And, and Pat Mahomes and Kelsey and all the others, Tyreek Hill. But the defense. You knew Steve Spagnuolo before we all did. I watched him from afar, admired him. Saw what he did in 07 with the New York Giants in winning the world championship uh, in that big upset over New England. But you knew him before he got here. What did we see last year from Steve Spagnuolo that the Chiefs kingdom can kind of hang on to and know you're going to get this and more in 2020? Oh, man, one of the um, characteristics of uh, Coach Spags is something that uh, he's been the same. He's been so consistent. And we talk about that consistency as a coach, he expects that of the players. Um, he doesn't expect you to be perfect, but he expects you to be consistent in your effort, your tackling, uh, your pursuit for the ball, and then collectively as a unit, your, your pursuit for perfection. And, you, and you, you always should be pursuing a perfect – you should be in pursuit of playing your best ball, no matter who the opponent is, no matter what their stats are, uh, who you're lining up against. You should have enough confidence in yourself and your teammates, the way you prepare, the way you understand the defensive philosophy, that there's a way of going about playing defensive football, the way you hunt together as a unit, that you can be able to stop any offense. And I know we talk about how vaulted and how great the – Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs offense is, um, I've, I've been a part of Spag's defense. Um, once, once defensively we get rolling and we work on all cylinders, we're just as powerful and potent on defense as the Chiefs offense is on offense. Yeah, you just described really the last eight games of the regular season and then the playoffs uh, with Spags' defense. I don't think people realize in the last eight games of the regular season now, 
the Chiefs only allowed 127 offensive points. Uh, that was second in the National Football League, only to the Ravens, who we talk about the Ravens' defense all the time, and they gave up 126. That's taken away defensive touchdowns and the like. But just that fact alone tells you how much this team improved. Uh, and to watch Spags and his staff, we're going to talk about his staff too in this podcast, but just to see how they morphed and how they grew from week one to the last half of the season tells me, can we expect, I kind of expect, that same kind of growth going into the 2020 season? I, mean, I hope so. I hope there's a, 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 a broad understanding of what defensive philosophy is. And not, not to take any shots of what was going on before Coach Spags got here, but I think the philosophy with Bob Sutton was get after the quarterback and create turnovers. Do whatever you have to do to put pressure on the quarterback and then create turnovers. And if you had to give up 35, 40 points, as long as you ended the game with six sacks and a bunch of pressures, that was the, the defensive mantra. Coach Spag's defense is more about, like you're saying, keeping the opponent out of the end zone, forcing field goals, playing a very sound goal line to goal line. Every snap counts. Every tackle counts. Don't give up hitting yardage. Learn what it means to uh, um, strip a ball out, force a takeaway. And when those opportunities come, realize that those are not um, taken lightly. It's a difference between batting the ball down and then having the personnel on the field to be able to intercept the ball and create a turnover, save all that hidden yardage that would be given to an offense when they punt it away, and then your offense has to go from the other 20 and score when you can give them to them right there on your own 30-yard line. That's a big aspect, creating that turnover, um, understanding uh, momentum as far as uh, playing the momentum with that pendulum swing of the ball game and game situation. Um, he he's expects his players to play each situation of the game as it's as it arises. Every third down isn't equal. Every first down isn't equal. And um, he expects guys to be coaches on the field. And so when he was able to add uh, the Honey Badger, that's exactly what he got. He got a coach on the field, a guy who can calm the storm at any time and gets guys refocused on the next down. Let's make a play. Let's get off the field. Let's create a touchdown ourselves. Do whatever needs to be done for this team to proceed um, and win the ball game. Now I want to ask you too before we hear from Spags about what we saw in the playoffs. This day and age of, and what I'm hearing you say, this day and age in in offensive football is you're not going to shut people down. I mean, you're not going to sit there and give up a hundred yards of offense. It's making the key plays at the key times. However, at crunch time in the playoffs, Sean, three playoff games. This Kansas City Chiefs, Steve Spagnuolo-led defense, gave up points in the fourth quarter of three playoff games. We talk about the great comebacks in all three games. We had watch party Wednesdays, looking at the Houston game, looking at and the great comeback against Tennessee, and we know what happened in the Super Bowl. Those don't happen unless you get a series of defensive stops. Not only were they getting those defensive stops, teams were not scoring in the fourth quarter of the playoffs. Three really good teams in playoff games. So it's the key play, key time, and at crunch time that this defense stepped up last year. Yeah, you always have to know what your, you know, where your, where your loyalty lies. And on defense, it always talks about stopping the run, getting after the quarterback, and then making big plays. And you always know what the defense. If you're not able to stop the run, sooner or later, the offense, the opponent is going to continue to run the ball, get first downs, 
whether you can stop them or not, you got to sometimes get the ball back for your offense. We have such a potent offense, but if we're not able to get the ball back in Pat Mahomes' hands and teams can run out eight minutes of, of offense at, at, at will because you can't stop the running game, eventually that's going to come back to haunt you. So that was always one of the, 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 the most highlighting things that needed to change going from 2018 to 2019. And to be given just one offseason to bring a new personnel, a new staff, a new philosophy of defense, it was going to take a whole season for these guys to really start to feel one another. And, and that's what we saw. When you talk about that second eight games compared to the first eight games, the same calls were being made, but guys started to feel confident in each other. They knew each other had each other's back. They knew they saw things the same way on a defensive side of the ball. And now they could all just kind of unleash, relax, and go play football. And, and that's what I saw the second half of the season that we didn't see the first half. And that Coach Spagnola was confident enough in the personnel that he didn't bastardize the offense, I mean the defense. He didn't start changing people, start reworking and adjusting things. He knew the defense would work. And the players, the players spent enough time and had enough confidence and communication with each other. They had trust. And that is a key, key component to having a playoff-bound defense. All right, let's jump into this interview. I had a chance to talk with Steve Spagnuolo. We drill this down even further. We take it down deep and then take it wide horizontally. But Steve Spagnuolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, talking about what happened last year and what can happen this year with this Chiefs defense. So in this edition of Defending the Kingdom, we uh, take it up a notch. Uh, Sean couldn't be with me, but you coached Sean Barber. (laughs) Yeah, my man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's, there's only one barbershop, uh, and there's only one Steve Spagnuolo. Uh, we learned that last year in seeing the Spags effect on this world champion defense. First of all, Spags, how you doing in this stay-at-home environment? Yeah, different world, Mitch. Um, listen, it's been a, it's been rough, but it's been a blessing too. I'm sure you you're feeling the same thing. I mean, we're, I'm learning about things that I never thought I would take time to learn, not just technology, but ways to keep yourself. Uh, amused and entertained. It's been really terrific uh, as a as a coach at any level, really. A lot of time is spent away from your family, uh, in this case, my wife. And, and so the time with her has been terrific. And yet we, we, we do not forget what's going on out there. And, you know, Mitch, you and I are blessed in what we do and to be continue to do what we're doing, even though it's a little bit remotely. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that are hurting through this, uh, and it's going to take a long time to recover. So that's never lost on us. No, sir, and we continue prayers up. Shop and I talk about it all the time. Now, last year, this defense of the Chiefs just went through a transformation. In the last eight games of the regular season, all second in the league and fewest points allowed, one point behind the Baltimore Ravens, and then it carried over into the uh, playoffs. What happened that transformed the defense? And I asked that bouncing into 2020, of how that carries over. What happened in the last half of 19 that helps you in 20? You know, Mitch, I really, um, I really feel like the, what we did in the second half was a reflection of the hard work by a tremendous staff of assistants, number one. Uh, and I think, I think the guys we have on defense are terrific at each individual position. I think we'll get the best guys in the league and how they stayed on top of the players and the guys and what we were doing. We never detoured from it. Nobody jumped ship because there were some 
ups and downs early. You and I have talked about them and it, and it got a little bit of rough and we knew that. That was the first thing to me. The second thing is that we had player leadership that would not let any of the other younger guys or anybody stray or fall off, stick with it, stick with what we're doing, have some faith in what we're doing, you know, trust. There's a lot of trust that goes in this business. So to me, the assistant coaches and what the leadership that we got from the players, and you know who I'm talking about, all those guys, Hitch and T5 and Frank and a bunch of them, and uh, what they did to – because, listen, when it's, when it's going a little bit up and down in the first half of the season, guys can go one way or the other. And, and our guys stuck together, and we got better, and it's to their credit that we did. Spags, one thing that was also apparent was the ability to make the key play at the key time. Uh, first of all, six red zone takeaways, double what the average of the league. That was impressive. But all of those comebacks in the playoffs would not have happened without defensive stops and a series of defensive stops. And then only in the fourth quarter, three playoff wins, only seven points allowed. What about developing defense that maybe yielding yards, but when the time came to make the key play, you made it? Yeah, we've never used the term bend but don't break because that's we don't believe in that. But – what we had always said to each other is, hey, uh, keep firing away. I've said this before, um, even if it's a little bit rough in the first half and even into the third quarter, we have an offense led by a quarterback uh, who, if, even if we're down a few couple of scores, uh, can get us back in it quickly if we just keep getting him the football. Uh, and that was always talked about on the sidelines. It's, hey, doesn't matter what happened on the last play. Let's worry about the next play find a way to get them off the field somehow, some way. Uh, and it's always about, you know, keeping points off the boards. And, and our, our offense, listen, if, you, if we can hold defense, excuse me, other offenses to just field goals, Mitch, we'll probably win a lot of games. Um, you make the point about the red zone takeaways. Those are huge. Uh, until you said that, Mitch, I did, had no idea we had had six. Um, something I just kind of lost, lost sight of. But uh, it's, listen, our guys – as it got tougher and tougher, they got tougher and tougher, whether we were behind in points or whether a team was driving into the red zone. Um, and it was good to see that happen. And it certainly did help us. I was proud of those guys. And Spags, a couple areas I know uh, you're looking at, but I want to ask you about specifically is one, you talk about giving Mahomes more possessions. So maybe a couple more three and outs or fewer or smaller yeah. possessions by the opponent. Now all of a sudden he gets two more cracks to do it. What about that getting teams off the field? Yeah, um, listen, that came, that all comes back to, in my opinion, uh, eliminating explosive plays and playing great on third down. Because if you just let teams try to chip away, eventually, if you can get them in a third down situation and stop them on third down, uh, you can get Patrick the football. Now, a lot of teams nowadays are going for, going for it on fourth down, so it's now it's four downs instead of three. Uh, and we faced a few of those. But I, I believe one of the things I did look at, Mitch, um, about a couple of weeks ago was how well we played in the playoffs on third down. Our goal is to keep the offense at 36%. I believe we did that in all three playoff games. And one of them might've been 33% or something. So it makes a huge difference. And, and maybe some of those, I, I didn't look at this close enough, but maybe we given up third downs earlier in those games, but as the second half rolled around, maybe we tightened up and I, I, I would be willing to bet that that's probably the case in the second half. We, we're really good in third down. And as a follow-up, maybe creating more explosive defensive plays yourself, eliminating the explosive plays. You know, I think of the Denver game 
where that crowd could sense Pat was hurt. This is the game in October. And then you get the sack strip from Hitchens and Raglan runs it in. That team, game entirely changed. Uh, Thornhill's pick six against Oakland. Um, Baltimore had six defensive touchdowns last year. You get one or two more of those, how much difference can that make? Yeah. Just because I'm curious, Mitch, how many did we have? How many did we have? Two? What, two? Three. We did have three. I remember uh, Breezy's long fumble return, right? Yep. In Detroit. Six. And which one am I forgetting? I've got to think of the other. I know one. you got me. The, the two of us can't remember. It's, it's been the pandemic's getting us, Mitch. Oh, I'll tell you what it is. It's crazy. The 100-yard fumble return for a touchdown from. Uh, well, I had that on Breland. So, so what was so was Thornhill, Breland, and what was the other one? Uh, Raglan with the running. Oh, I'm sorry, you you trips. mentioned that one. Yeah, Reggie. No, look at any time you can uh, flip the field like that and, and give and have the defense find a way to get on the scoreboard themselves is huge. It's a it's a Boom, it's a double whammy for the team you're playing against. Um, I, I'd like to see us, Mitch, I know you would too, create some more turnovers. I, I You've heard uh, the Honey Badger talk a number of times since the season's been over, and, and he's a prideful guy. I love him. I mean, he looks at tape. He's watched every tape, every game twice. And, you know, he believes in his mind he could – you've heard it. He believes he could have eight interceptions that he didn't have. <laughs> and God bless him because a couple that he's talking about would have been really difficult. Uh, interceptions but anyway if we could get a few more of those and capitalize I really wish I, I would like us to find a way to create more fumbles um, I don't I don't think that we were very high in that area we do talk about stripping and ripping all the time but if we could find a way to create some of those early in this upcoming season I think that helps us but you were a good tackling team and that was impressive at all three levels the other thing we talk about multiplicity of guys doing different things on the offensive side. You showed that on the defensive side. How much of that are you looking at? I remember Tano moving inside and outside. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what you did with Neiman and coverage and other, I'm thinking of other examples, the hybrid player for lack of a better term. What about that and going into a second year of your defense are you seeing potentially from this 2020 group? Well, the advantage we have as a staff going in, Mitch, you know this, you've been around football long enough that uh, now that we have a full year and we have most of our guys back, fortunately for us, uh, Red Feach and his crew did a great job there. We, as we sit here today going into what we hope is training camp, right, um, we know what our guys, oh, pretty much know what our guys can and can't do, where to put them, what they're best at. So that helps us right out of the blocks. And I do believe, I'm glad you brought up, Guys like Ben and uh, some other – Dan Dan Sorensen, who we put down inside. I mean, we figured – listen, we didn't have Dan in the right spots early. That's my fault. And then we figured out what he could do and uh, how explosive he could be and how smart he was. I, I hope we can do that with more and more guys. I think that, you know, I, I'd like to think that we could have, I don't know, up to 22 guys involved always in a game plan. It's probably not going to be that high, Mitch, but you know, 18, 17 guys that have a role. Uh, I think it's important for the camaraderie of the group, keeps everybody in tune. And look, we want to use, look, at the end of the year, we were putting Dorian O'Daniel in there uh, to spy on some of those athletic quarterbacks. So that's all in learning your personnel and hopefully getting plugged into the right spots. I hope we can continue to do and one final question. I'm not going to ask you about them specifically. I'm not going to go down this line of guy by guy, but this rookie class. Okay, uh, okay. Collectively, we've seen some potentially explosive athletes here. Speed, uh, vertical explosion. Uh, just collectively as a group, how much could they potentially help you considering all these other paragraphs that we've discussed? 
Yeah. Uh, well, the hope is somebody in there does surface. I mean, we had some guys help us last year, some young guys. Uh, we won't know. You know, the one thing we would be finding out right now, Mitch, is a little bit of the chin to hairline, uh, how much they can absorb. And, you know, look, at uh, there's a, it's really different taking what you know, you know, at your desk, you know, or in a meeting room out onto the field. Um, we've got some guys with some speed. Uh, that that's certainly as everybody's aware of that at times and whatnot, but listen, uh, play speed and run a 40 yard dash are two different things. And I know one thing, uh, guys play faster if they're smarter, if they know what they're doing, they have confidence in what they're doing. So our challenge as a staff right now with these young guys is a group, Mitch, is to, to do the best we can at the situation we're in right now to get them up to speed so that when we do get out there and able to go, uh, that they can, that we can see that those fast times and see that play speed, but time will tell. And we just got to get them out there, get them around the rest of the guys, but we're excited about the crew that we have. And that being said, a final, final question. I've watched you teach. I love to see you teach. Like you'll pull guys away from the herd and do these tutoring sessions with all, all three levels of your defense. I love it. And there's times I think you could be as comfortable teaching in a Bethlehem, Pennsylvania school yeah. as anything else, yeah. but the teaching in this virtual, you mentioned the head up, basically the yeah. neck up. How much do you, how much is it, this is an emphasis on your teaching and how much then when you get back together is going to be, man, we got to grind on teaching these guys. Well, um, great question. I, I think about it every day, Mitch, because we're looking for creative ways uh, to continue to feed the guys what they already know and yet not let them get bored with it. I mean, let's face it. Um, you and I both, Mitch, we'd much rather go out on the field right, and play the game or walk through or, uh, and communicate. We, we don't have the luxury of doing that right now. But our guys have been great. Uh, one of the things we are doing in these meetings is we're turning to, like, the Hitchens, the, the Honey Badgers, and having them actually do the meeting. And in doing that, I think they, they absorb. they got to prepare, right? they got to absorb. I was on there this morning. Uh, Damian Wilson did a heck of a job presenting something we did in the red zone. So, which we're not turning, trying to turn them into teachers, Mitch, but, but by teaching, I think they learn it better. So listen, our, our challenge in the situation we're in is to be as creative as, as we can and have the guys by repetition um, have as much in that football brain as they can have so that when we go out and play, I mean, listen, I think you would agree with me, Mitch, that I said this to the guys, we played faster toward the second half of the season because we knew what we were doing. Yeah. When you know what you're doing, you can play faster and you play more confident. So uh, we need to continue to do that and not have to. Now, we do go right back to square zero now. I mean, we, we started from the ground up. We're building this thing from the ground up. And Mitch, you're, I'm sure you're a uh, John Wooden fan. And, and, you know, John, we all know John Wooden and all his quotes. Hit said this to me. I was talking with him yesterday about, listen, we're gonna we're gonna start from square one again. Build this the same way. Hopefully, it gets built a little bit quicker, et cetera, et cetera. And he said to me, Mitch, he said, "Yeah, that's kind of like John Wooden when every year at UCLA, he taught his players how to lace their shoes. <laughs> every year. Now you talk about a detail, right? Lace your shoes. So Hitch and I talked about. It. That was a great point. We need to do the same thing. We'll be lacing them up." Love that. Uh, yeah. Love you. Thanks for what you Appreciate brought to the Peace Kingdom, and can't wait to see you in, the, in person, man. Same so, here, Mitch. Be safe. Yes. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it. Steve Spagnola.
Fascinating guy. Great personality, Sean. Uh, when, and it was fun to watch him teach last year, even in last year in the offseason. Uh, but this is a bright guy. But his personality, too, I think also endears himself to his players and to his own defensive staff. Yeah, they see how genuine he is about the, the well-being of his players. Um, when a guy puts you in situations to be successful over and over again as a player, you, I mean, you, you draw closer. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, he's magnetic in the way he draws guys in to believing in the defense as a whole. But when, like I said, when a guy puts you, put you in place to be successful over and over again on the practice field, on the game field, and you see it, um, um, he takes responsibility and accountability of sometimes when, when calls aren't the best calls in certain situations. It's not blaming the player. Um, and then in the practice field, he takes you to the side and he makes sure that you understand exactly the purpose and understanding your position on every defense. Every defense has a crucial, um, a crucial uh, factor to it of why it works. And so he makes sure that everybody on defense knows um, why it's important for you to have a certain leverage. Why is it important for this disguise to be held into the last minute? Because we don't want to show the quarterback this certain weakness and have them just throw it there. We want them to hold on to the ball and let the pass rush get there. It's, it's, it, it matters. Um, and he makes sure that everybody across the board on all three levels learns the nuances of each of the defenses before they go play it out there on Sunday. Spags had a chance to really uh, redo the whole defensive staff. Brett Reed helps Matt House with the linebackers. And that, well, that's working very well. Matt House was coordinator at the University of Kentucky. So he brought the college defensive elements to this defense. Brandon Daly, we know, was outstanding on the defensive line. Winner of a world title now, two straight years, New England in 18, Chiefs in 19. And then I really love the combo of David Merritt and Sam Madison on the back end. And then that's not even mentioning the defensive quality control guys and others that are very, very sharp. Spag started to talk about this a little bit in the interview, but a lot with me when I interviewed him last year toward the end of the season and into the playoffs was this staff is much like the whole staff is a reflection of Andy Reid. This defensive staff is a subculture that's a reflection of Spags. Oh, definitely. And he'll be the first. He humbles himself. At, hey, Coach Spags is a great man of faith, and he understands you have to serve before you can lead. And that's exactly what he did with his staff. He's, he made sure to serve all these guys and understand, hey, man, I'm going to turn – I'm going to delegate power to you. I'm going to make sure you know what I expect. But then it's going to be your positions to, to manage as a coaching staff and to develop these players um, and, and have them all on the same page. But he empowers his coaches to instill their, their – you know, to impact their players and their, their positions. Um, the one thing he did for me personally is he cultivated a sense of confidence in my own abilities. And when I say that, I mean that when I came out of University of Richmond, there was a laundry list of negatives about me as a linebacker. I was undersized, uh, the competition level. I didn't play the run well. Uh, you could run the ball at me to the point of attack. And when you have a guy and, and you constantly remind him about his negatives and then you want him to go play at a high level, he can't help but be haunted by those negatives. But if you have a coaching staff where the positives are being fostered, the positives are being watered. The positives about their abilities on and off the field are being cultivated in a way where that it, it builds your confidence. It builds, and we see Passano, a, a guy that barely touched the field in 18, becomes a, a key component to our pass rush in 19. The same exact player, I think it goes back to Coach Bagnola cultivating a, a sense and an environment of, hey, coaches, 
Don't dwell on the negatives. Figure out how they can help. Tell it to me, and we'll incorporate that in our defense. And we're just gonna we're gonna stay super positive with these guys. Tell them how they can be great, how we will be great if everybody plays together. You bring up a good point because what I noticed last year with Spags and his defensive staff is they wouldn't pigeonhole guys. And when I say that, I've seen this happen in football at all levels and, and even the Chiefs teams of the past. You come out of Richmond, oh, you're a weak side backer, you're a pass cover guy, that's what you are. And then I say, you know, he's got limitations. But with Spags, to me, I, I mean, Tano Passino is a great example. He did five or six different things with Pat uh, yes. K-Pass. He's outside in like a seven tech. Uh, he moved inside on subdowns. He would drop in certain coverages, but he used that wingspan of him that you mentioned to be a to be a weapon. Uh, a guy like Thornhill or Rashad Fenton, where he saw them doing different things, and that staff saw that too. Because I think defensively, we're all a victim of doing this. Sometimes we can just pigeonhole people, put them in a spot, and think that's what they're going to do. And sometimes it ends up being a super negative because then. Uh, we don't utilize the full uh, ability of that player. Yeah, and I think one of the things that Coach Spags also does, not only that pigeonhole, but he also, the the simplicity of his defense. When you talk about being able to use younger guys and not just relying on your veteran core, right? Veteran players, this is a cap league. Veteran players cost more, right? You can only keep so many veteran players. Now, young players, you're going to have a lot of young players. But as a staff, do you trust young guys out on the field to communicate the defense the way you want to communicate it. A few years ago, the comp- the complexity of the defense might have caused certain young guys not to be able to get on the field because they couldn't communicate the, the way the coordinator or the way the staff wanted them to communicate uh, some of the complexities of the, the defense. But when you make it simple and you make it so everybody can understand it, everybody get on the same page, that allows young guys to really be able to impact, get on the field faster. And when you talk about a season like this, the COVID-19, guys not being around, you want to be able to have something that everybody can get on the same page as fast as possible. The carryover from last year to this year should be be seamless. And we should have young guys playing uh, second year, third year guys looking like they're ninth year veterans out there on the field. So I'm extremely excited to see this Chiefs defense going into 2020, coming off the last eight games of the year and using that as a as a springboard to just starting so fast on the defensive side of the ball. Um, another uh, compliment to Coach Bagnola and his, de- his defensive staff of getting his defense rolling. Yeah, you could hear in the interview where he is not afraid to play young guys. In fact, he's excited to see what a Willie Gay Jr. can do at linebacker. Let's go. I mean, that's like three or four podcasts ago on Defending the Kingdom where we talked about Willie Gay Jr. being a potential of a Derrick Johnson type guy, explosive plays. On defense, there's disruptive plays, uh, a pass knockdown. Then they're on defense, explosive plays. We mentioned that a couple uh, podcasts ago, and that means the 100-yard fumble return by Breland against Detroit, a 14-point swing. The Denver game in the regular season was swung with a sack strip fumble run in for a fumble return for a touchdown. The Chiefs had three of those plays last year. The Ravens had six. You get two more of those plays, and maybe it comes from a young guy. These young corners the Chiefs took in late rounds of the draft, but then the undrafted free agents. There's, I mean, there's a group of guys there that who knows what Spags can do with them. But he's not afraid to play young players. He's not afraid to teach them. 
And I guess to your point, the simplicity of this defense can put them on a faster track to help the Chiefs win using the defensive side of the ball in 2020. Yeah, one thing you hate as a player is you hate to be on the field thinking too much. You want to be able to react what the offense does. It's hard enough with the shifts and motions and the different ways, screen game, vertical game, all the different ways that we've seen uh, Coach Reed attack a defense. If he has guys out there thinking, it's game over. That's how he knows he got you. But if guys on defense can align, know their assignment, communicate, and now just react and go make plays, let their their personality show, let their their skill-making abilities um, be able to be reactionary and make plays on the ball, that's when start you, you start seeing legendary type of defenses, being able to play and react to the ball. Guys all uh, um, going 110%, pursuing the ball, reckless abandon. And that's when guys on defense start getting really excited about what can happen once everybody's on the same page. And so, yes, I'm so excited about uh, what Spags has done from a, a fundamental standpoint, putting in the fundamentals, but now being able to expand upon what's already been done in 2019. And I think with the leadership of a Frank Clark, the leadership of a Hitchens, the leadership of a Honey Badger, at all three levels, they got people already in place that can show these young guys, hey, this is, this is how we do it here in the kingdom. We fly around, we pursue the ball, but hey, we make plays. We're not just trying to get the ball back for the offense. We're trying to score on defense. We make plays. We're a bunch of playmakers. And I'm also excited. You alluded to this too, too. Uh, the year two to year three guy, like a Derek Nadi or Dorian O'Daniel. O'Daniel started to get it going uh, toward the end of the season. Derek Nadi was an unsung hero of this team. Tano Passan, you mentioned uh, earlier, class ahead of those guys, but then. A Colin Saunders, what he does year one to year two. Thornhill coming off the injury. Mentioned Rashad Fenton. Um, Neiman, we've seen him uh, on the basically as the sub-down linebacker guy. And then these other young guys. I mean, this has a chance. Uh, I've, I've been on national shows, and they're like, well, hey, you know, can the Chiefs come back? It's a really tough schedule. Things kind of worked out for you guys. I'm like, worked out for us, guys. <laughs> we lost 190 quarters to injury. And what if we're better? Because to me, this team was closer last year to 15 and one than they were 10 and six. And I'm saying all of the things we mentioned in this podcast, and it's why we're excited about Spags, the Chiefs could be better in 2020, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Man, when you, when you acknowledge and you understand what, what, what true competitors Coach Spagnola and his staff are, I don't think they look back at last season as being the, the perfect season. Even though it produced a Super Bowl, the product was was what we wanted, but the process, right? They, they, they see so many uh, areas of improvement when you talk about the process. And they know that if you do things the right way, odds are number of times uh, uh, it's going to end up producing a successful game, a successful season, and the opportunity to go play for that Lombardi trophy. But it's all about that process being greater than the product. And once you get everybody in the room on that same page, you don't have to worry about guys not showing up ready to practice. You don't worry about guys missing weight room sessions or not preparing themselves in the offseason. Everybody understands what's it. It's the main thing. It's still the main thing. Everybody wants to get themselves on a championship level. And this team understands what it took last year from a sacrifice, sacrificing your time with your family, sacrificing your, your, your body on defense, and understanding what it takes to come together and play championship-style football at an earlier level this season than last. All right, we'll keep it going. Good luck to your UR Spiders. Good luck to the University of Barber College Prep <laughs> Academy you got going on there. Your wife and you have done a phenomenal job in this 
COVID stay at home protocol. And again, like we say every week, continue to have prayers up and and uh, we'll get through it. But but way to go, my friend. And we get ready for 2020. We're both excited at what this defense can do. I think it can be really good and be the difference for the Chiefs moving forward. Yes, if anybody I can give all the credit to is definitely my wife. She is the Andy Reid of our household. She comes <laughs> in with, with, with unique packages to, to, for our kids to learn and get to sporting events, um, takes care of me and everybody else. I'm kind of like the seventh kid in this family. And she does it seamlessly. She, she, she just like Andy Reid, um, um, without a hitch. Just let everybody, let the personality show. Um, it's so, so committed to the process, man. Um, I, I, I don't give her enough credit on a daily basis, so hopefully I can give her some credit right here when it comes to the podcast. But, uh, man, we, we, we all look so, so uh, look forward to defending the kingdom throughout the entire season, um, especially in this offseason. Um, we wish everybody out there who's watching, all our supporters, all the followers, man, take care of yourselves, be safe, uh, stay at home, but continue to have faith um, and, and keep your prayers up um, that everybody's taking care of themselves during this COVID-19. Well, if you're ladies Andy Reid, then you're the spags. Yes, sir. <laughs> They're the spags of the Barber uh, College Prep Academy. Thanks, my friend, and thanks for joining us on this edition of Defending the Kingdom, simply called Spags. We're excited about 2020. We'll run it back. Thanks for listening to the Chiefs' official podcast network. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.